Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we're reading Acts 21, verses 26 through 40. It says, So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started the purification ritual, so he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. For earlier that day they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, and a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted one thing and some another. Since he couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent, the soldiers had to lift him to their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind, shouting, Kill him! Kill him! As Paul was about to be taken inside, he said to the commander, May I have a word with you? Do you know Greek? the commander asked, surprised. Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out into the desert? No, Paul replied, I am a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia, which is an important city. Please let me talk to these people. The commander agreed. So Paul stood on the stairs and motioned for the people to be quiet. Soon a deep silence enveloped the crowd, and he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic. Well, it's another day and another mob and riot. This kind of thing just seems to follow Paul around, doesn't it? Paul himself, from this story, has become the face of controversy in the region. As protectors of the Jewish tradition would consider their enemies and their impact on the world around them, Paul was kind of their public enemy number one. There was a perception surrounding Paul that he was an enemy of Jewish tradition and actually taught against it. Now, that wasn't true, of course. Paul was merely teaching Gentiles that they didn't have to become Jewish in order to follow Jesus, not that Jews themselves should stop following their traditions. But, of course, that didn't really matter, did it? What Paul was actually for or against was not the issue here. The issue was what the public perceived Paul to be for or against. Hmm, politics, anyone? So, here's Paul, trying to make good on a purification ritual. And now this was a Jewish thing that was kind of designed to help him uh, make him a little less offensive to the Jewish people. Notice that he's doing his best here. I mean, he isn't going around intentionally trying to offend anybody. He isn't thumbing his nose at the Jewish leadership for no reason at all. Now, he doesn't shrink back from an argument for sure when that's required, but he also isn't going out just looking for one needlessly. 
I think that if you look around you, you could probably find a lot of people who are just looking for a fight, right? Or a reason to be offended or to offend somebody. Okay, that's not Paul. He's sticking to his truth and, and he wasn't rubbing anybody's nose in it here. He's being a good missionary, as was his pattern. He's kind of going with the flow when that's helpful and that's necessary. But on the other hand, he's also not surprised at what happens. He's become such a controversial figure that it was bound to catch up with him at some point like this. So a mob forms, drags him out, and beats him until he is rescued by the Roman soldiers. Notice, the opposition grabs onto some false information in order to get a mob worked up. They had seen Paul walking around town with a Gentile, so they assumed that he had brought him into the temple. After all, that's something that somebody like him would do, wasn't it? So a mob with a half-truth gets worked up into a frenzy, drags Paul out, puts a beating on him, and tries to get the Roman guard to kill him. Listen, there will always be people who just hate and judge before they know the full story. This is our world. Everybody is angry, it seems like. Everybody hates everybody else, but nobody really seems to know why. When the Roman officer tries to get to the bottom of it, he can't even get a coherent answer from the crowd. It's like the mob itself is the justification for the mob. And the general sentiment is, well, I'm not sure why this guy is bad, but everybody else is beating on him, so he must be really bad. It's just, it's so convenient when somebody appears upon whom we can take out all our built-up frustrations, isn't it? So we see this tide of public opinion surging against Paul here. It's, it's kind of like, this is kind of something that happens on the internet a lot. Have you ever seen the internet comments? I'm, I'm serious. Like, uh, you ever, and has an online photo or a comment ever been misinterpreted or made out to be something that it's not? Of course it has. It happens all the time, actually. That's why you have to be so careful about things that you post online. If you want to see just how ugly people can be, just read the comments section of just about anything online. It's really scary. So don't be surprised when people hate you for no reason or for misinformation. If anything, this is probably confirmation that the world hasn't really changed very much in the last 2,000 years. The human heart was inclined toward mistrust and hatred just as much then as it is now. Jesus once said, Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, will betray you. They will even kill some of you, and everyone will hate you because you are my followers. Sometimes there's just no good outcome. There was pretty much no way that Paul was coming out of Jerusalem alive and with his freedom this time. He knew that going in, so, I mean, maybe that's good. He could at least be prepared for it. But notice that he might have changed his approach slightly, but it would not change his message. Perceptions change, right? Things that are important to people grow hotter and colder. Political climates change, certainly. And, And as the culture around us changes, we find that churches might change their approach somewhat, right? That's, that's normal. That would be an expected thing. You You probably can't just uh, do church the way we did 50 years ago and expect it to still be completely, fully relevant still today. But while the how of church might adjust, notice that the what does not. 
Paul remained committed to the message of sharing Christ. He remained committed to preaching freedom to the Gentiles, even if that message became unpopular. So, what about us? Are there ways that we can see that the way we do church might need to adapt in the future? Yes, probably. Are there ways that we need to change the message of who we are or what God is calling us to do? Absolutely not. My prayer for us as a faith family is that we know firmly who we are and our calling is sure so that we can be bold about Jesus in our community. So that just like Paul stood by his calling, we can face the uncertainty of the future with that same confidence. So how about you? Is your confidence based on who you are in Christ today? Or is your hope found in what other people think of you? Because I can tell you that one of those things is sure and never changes, and the other one turns quickly and without full understanding. Sometimes, when the whole world around you seems to have gone mad, or when it feels like everybody else has abandoned you or let you down for no reason at all, all you can hold on to is Jesus. If that's you today, can I offer you the encouragement to just hold on? To remind you that Jesus told us not to be surprised when this happens and to find encouragement in the company that you are keeping because even the apostles and Jesus himself were mistreated unfairly. Hold on to hope. Hold on to Christ. Father, we come to you today looking for assurance in who we are, in our calling. God, um, make our calling uh, sure and give us confidence in that today. And um, the kind of confidence that, that we can stand firm no matter what, no matter what people think, no matter what happens around us, God, we put our hope in you today uh, as individuals and as a community of faith. Um, God, I pray that you uh, lead us, <laughs> you lead us to make a difference in our families and in our communities because we put you at the center of it today, God, in your name alone. Amen. Have a great day.